From PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and the studios of the Chicago Sunday Evening Club, I'm David Dalt with Things Not Seen. On today's show, we look at an education success story. We know that inner-city youth face a crisis and oftentimes don't have access to the resources that they need to succeed. So we talk with Glenn Wilkie, Executive Director of the Midtown Educational Foundation here in Chicago. He talks about their mission of creating academic excellence and the development of virtue in young men and women across the Chicago area. Stay tuned. Hey friends, before we begin the show, I wanted to take a moment and talk to you about a new podcast from my friend, the Reverend Kat Banakas. It's called The Holy Holy Podcast, and each episode, Kat takes this big question like dying or careers or how to be single and Christian, and she talks about it with experts from across the nation, sometimes from across the world, and then at the end of the show, she puts it to a three-person panel that includes a representative of the Muslim faith, the Jewish faith, and the Christian faith. It's always a fantastic conversation. I always learn something when I listen to it, and I just love the fact that she's doing it. So I hope that you'll take a look for the Holy Holy Podcast. You can find it through iTunes. You can find it at holyholypodcast.com. You can also find it through our website, csec.org. So that's the Holy Holy Podcast with the Reverend Kat Vanakas. Give it a listen. I know, I know you're going to love it. Thanks. Okay, here we go with the show. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Glenn Wilkie. He's the executive director of Midtown Educational Foundation, an organization that guides low-income urban youth in Chicago along pathways of success. They have enrichment programs that embrace the dignity of the person by focusing on academic excellence, virtue development, individual attention, and parental engagement. Glenn Wilkie, welcome to Things Not Seen. Thank you, David. I appreciate you having, having me on. Well, I, I'm interested, first of all, so that our, our listeners understand what it is that your organization does, uh, if you could give us a quick overview of, of what the Midtown Educational Foundation is and who it serves. Okay. Uh, let me begin with this. We say that anyone who comes to our centers, our Midtown Center for Boys or our Metro Achievement Center for Girls, is a VIP or a very important person. But for us, the A's academics... The V's virtues or character training, the I's individual attention, and the P is parents because parents, the parents, parent, guardian, whoever it may be, the parents are the prime educators of their children. We're this, there to help and to reinforce that. Uh, what we do is we take low income, economically average kids, average when they come to us according to test scores, um, but not average at all when they get a little bit of extra help, and we uh, started fourth grade, and we go all the way through high school. We have the Walgreens one-on-one tutoring program, which is for fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, which is a one-on-one, uh, two-hour time frame, an hour for actual tutoring, uh, 15 minutes for a character talk, 
and then they play sports or at the girls center they have other you know dance or, or music or whatever and then we also have our entering metro and midtown achievement programs for entering seventh and eighth graders uh... and that is a classroom type setting and there we get them ready and help them to go to the proper high school according to their abilities whether it be a public or a private high school but we try and get them into what will match their skill set quite well. Then we have our college orientation program for high school students. And the idea there, it's also a classroom setting. Character permeates everything we do, virtue, uh, growth and good habits, honesty, integrity, hard work, um, responsibility, those types of things. But in the high school program, what we try and do is gear them into getting into the right college that will fit their needs and, and their abilities uh, properly. And the P uh, area is the parents that we talked about in AVIP. And, and we have a parenting uh, coordinator or manager in each of our programs, so we work with the parents and insist they be involved in everything we do. And that's kind of the magic um, to what we do. Well, now I want to make sure that I'm clear. What you do is not a school in and of itself. You are, you're connected with the school system. Do you work with the public system or the private system or both? We don't work directly with either, but we, we work with both of them. We attract kids from over 100 different schools, over probably 120 different schools, public and private, throughout the school year and in the summer. And uh, what we do is get the kids ready to go back uh, to their schools, whether it's during the school year or especially in the summer, be engaged, be ready to learn, uh, not have lost their edge during the summer and during the school year, uh, taking it a step up. And so how did you yourself get involved in, in this organization? What was it that brought you to this? Were you, were you a teacher or an educator or an administrator, or what brought you into this? Well, when I was a, a young man uh, in college down at the University of Illinois here in the city, I got involved with the Midtown Center for Boys. And I began to, in the summers, as a full-time job, I would be uh, an advisor and I was an advisor to about 18 of the 7th and 8th graders at the time and would work with them and talk to them and, and uh, listen to them and guide them in terms of uh, their family life, any things that they would bring up uh, I would help them with and also with their school and so forth. Uh, and that's where it all began. I was probably 19 years old when I started doing this. Worked 20 years in the corporate world for, at the end, with ConAgra Foods. That's where I I finished my career, 20-year career. I was a marketing director and a business uh, uh, development and business manager in terms of uh, some of the major businesses within ConAgra in the meat division. Well, so when someone comes to one of your centers, whether it's the Center for Boys or the Center for Girls, walk us through what they see when they walk through the front door and sort of what, what do they encounter? When they first come? Yeah, sure. Um, when they first come, they'll come with their parents or parent or guardian, whoever it might be, and they will come for an interview. And they will meet with one of our program directors, either in our one-on-one -on -one program, our achievement program, or our high school program. And they will, the parents will be interviewed. Uh, the, their report cards and test scores will be evaluated. Uh, we will also look to make sure they're low income, uh, 80 8% of our students last year, something of that nature, were low income. There are a few that are above that because there might be some alumni who know what we teach in terms of character and want their children in. But uh, then they will get a tour of the center. Uh, they will um, probably take an hour or so, and then we'll get back to them as to whether or not they're accepted to the program. 
And when a when a person is coming here, you mentioned low income. You mentioned sort of average by test score. Uh, what are the criteria that you're looking for? What what is the sort of ideal uh, participant in the Midtown educational programs? That's a great question. Uh, in answer to that, we always say we're not looking for the exceptional student that will go to Walter Payton, Lane Tech, St. Ignatius, or whatever. And we're not looking for the student that needs uh, has special needs and needs. Uh, uh, extra help. We're looking for the ones that are in the middle, the ones that can fall through the cracks. Um, so the kind of student we want is one that probably is uh, average, like I said, gets to school most every day, does their job, but just is like the unseen uh, young man or young woman in the city who needs um, some extra support. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt, and we're speaking today with Glenn Wilkie. He's the executive director of the Midtown Educational Foundation. It's an organization that guides low-income urban youth in Chicago along pathways of success. Well, a moment ago, you said that the danger for these students was that they would fall through the cracks, these average students. Now, help me to understand why that's the case. If these are the students that are doing the work that's being asked of them, if these are the students that are performing at a nominally acceptable level, I mean, there's there's no red flags going up, why is it that they would fall through the cracks? Well, I'm sure you, you know and our listeners know, if, if they know of the city of Chicago at all, a very difficult environment in the um, on the south side, on the west side, in Lawndale, Pilsen, Little Village. There's a number of gangs, uh, and we all hear about the different problems with the um, the gangs in those areas, plus the the murder rate and the number of shootings. So uh, even though they're 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 kind of locked into their own home or they they just go to school, they don't they don't get out of that area, so they really don't know what there is beyond the four walls of their home and their school, and they, they um, are pressured many times to consider joining a gang. Um, so they're, they're, some of the students who've come to our program, especially the boys' program, have been shot and killed um, because of that type of thing. So we're trying to, to guide them and say it's all right to be a good student. It's all right to, to look for the right type of friends, the right people that will back you up and that you can depend on uh, when things get tough. So we're trying through our character program to give them what's the word of the day or the year, grit, fortitude, uh, the ability to stand up and uh, to move forward and have confidence in themselves. And a lot of them, they don't have that, so we're trying to provide it. And that's one of our best practices is the, the character that we instill in them, and that is modeled by our staffs at both Midtown and Metro. Now, it's sounding like you, you aren't just doing tutoring in academics, but you're doing socialization and you mentioned character. You're, you're doing almost moral tutoring as well. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, exactly. Well, and so help, help me understand kind of what that looks like. So, I, I mean, the, uh, the famous question that Socrates asked way, you know, thousands of years ago was, can virtue be taught? And and it seems to me that if, if you're saying that you're doing moral education, you've hit upon a formula for teaching some kind of virtuous behavior. Help us understand what that looks like. Well, many times I'm asked, you know, we, this last year was our 50th year, 2015, in, in operation, 20, 50 years at the, the Midtown Center for Boys and 30 years at our Metro Achievement Center for Girls because it started later. Uh, what we do is our staffs are handpicked uh, to model these type of things these virtues. So not only do we teach them, they see it in our staff, 
uh, over and over again, and then they want what they see. And that's, I think, the way you teach it. You know, they have to see someone who not only talks about it but lives it. And our staffs have been there at Midtown. The average probably uh, amount of time of tenure of each person there is at least six years or more. And at Metro, it's at least six years. So people don't come and go, even though we can't pay the kind of money you can get maybe at another not-for-profit, but especially in the corporate world, they stay because they're very much engaged with the mission, and they model it, and it works. And so what I'm hearing you saying is that the people themselves that are there, that are working as tutors for academics, the students can look at them, and they can see modeled in these people the kind of behavior, the kind of success, the kind of virtues that they might then aspire to. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Our full-time staff, our paid staff, definitely, and in the tutors, and in the mentors and the advisors, they're all trained in, in how to be an advisor, how to be a tutor. So uh, they see it in that regard. I know I tutored for seven years when I was in the corporate world at our Midtown Center for Boys, and um, uh, you, a lot of it is being there. So I had a young man uh, from uh, Haiti or something. You know, he might have been from Africa, wherever. And I was seeing him, and the, the boys don't talk that much. He was a fourth grader. So I was coming in from Downers Grove, coming to our center in Bucktown, and I wasn't having dinner, and so I would sit down, and I'd try and look at and get him going in the right direction. And he looked at me, and he said, oh, you just come because you get paid. And I looked at him, and I said, no, no, I don't get paid. And he said, oh, you come because you care. I said, exactly. Then the light bulb came on. We're trying to get the light bulb to come on in all of these young people that come to our centers so that then they said, oh, then he really wanted to listen to me, and he really wanted to work. So if I'm hearing that correctly, so this exchange with this with this young person that you mentioned, when when this person figured out that you were there because you saw value in the relationship with these children, that began. Am I hearing correctly that you saw that then begin to bring something online in this in this student that the student began to value themselves in a different way? Right, and value me because he knew I wasn't getting paid, and I came there and. And uh, I was there loyally to see him and to help him for no other reason that that he was a special person. What does success look like when when you when you see that light bulb go off? Is that the end of a process or the beginning of a process? That's the beginning. That's where it all begins to move forward when they have confidence in either our, one of our paid staff or in one of our volunteers. Then we begin to make real progress. If you're just joining us, we're speaking today with Glenn Wilkie. He's the executive director of the Midtown Educational Foundation. It's an organization that guides low-income urban youth in Chicago along pathways of success. They have enrichment programs that embrace the dignity of the person by focusing on academic excellence, virtue development, individual attention, and parental engagement. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We'll be back in a moment. Hello, David Dalt here. You may be wondering why we take time out of the podcast to have these little minute-long breaks with the crazy music underneath. The answer is simple. We are trying to design the podcast so that it pays for itself, and so these are places where someday we will have some advertising. Now, let's say that you have been interested in getting into some sort of podcasting advertising platform where you want to promote your product. 
we would be a wonderful mid-market solution for you, uh, particularly if you want to reach an educated audience that really, really likes stuff about religion. Uh, so that's what this is here for. So if you would like to learn more about advertising with us, you can go to advertisecast.com or you can contact us through our website. We would love, love, love to work with you. Thank you always for listening. Okay, back to the show. You're listening to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Glenn Wilkie. He's the executive director of the Midtown Educational Foundation. It's an organization that guides low-income urban youth in Chicago along pathways of success. They have enrichment programs that embrace the dignity of the person by focusing on academic excellence, virtue development, individual attention, and parental engagement. And before we left for the break, uh, you were going to uh, give us an example of what uh, a sort of a successful engagement with a student looks like. Yes. So one of the young ladies at, at our Metro Achievement Center for Girls, and she stayed with us all the way through high school, grew up near Midway Airport, did have both of her parents at home. At one point, one of our board members who works at one of the major networks in uh, the Chicago area she had an intern position during the summer. She sent that over to the director of Metro and said, do you know anyone who could come and fill this in this position as an intern? So one of the young ladies, the one I'm mentioning who grew up near Midway, she got dressed up, and she was like probably a junior in high school, put together a one-pager on what she'd done up to that point, uh, and then went to see this news anchor. And when she went there, she... You know, looked her in the eye, shook her hand, handed her a resume. And this particular anchor said, I don't need to see that. I know exactly what you're learning at Metro. You will be just fine. Now show up at 3 o'clock in the morning every morning. Uh, and I don't know about you, David, but showing up at 3 in the morning when you're a junior in high school doesn't sound too too much fun to me. And I don't know if I could have done it, but this particular young lady did it every morning. She showed up not at 3 o'clock, but at 2.30 in the morning, and she was ready to go and ready to work, and she was surprised that uh, they bickered a bit at that time in the morning, so they're getting ready for their 4 a.m. newscast, which went to 7, and she was also surprised that they didn't work as hard as she had been taught to work at, at uh, Metro, but there she was doing her job, getting there, and uh, that's a success story. When you have a person in the community that recognizes the value of the educational support and the character development that you're creating at Midtown Educational Foundation. That's one person, and, and a, a news anchor may be very influential, but I know that as a nonprofit, you also have to find ways to amplify that story, to make sure that other people understand the value of what you're doing. And I know that you, you mentioned in the, in the first segment you have a background in marketing, and I'm sure that that kind of helps with what I'm about to ask. How do you let people know about what you're doing and the good that you're doing? How do you how do you get people excited about your mission? Well, that is a really good question. Uh, for 50 years, we one of our board members said we're like a light under a bucket, and no one knows the good we do. Well, during our lead-up to our 50th year and in our 50th year, we tried to take the uh, bucket off the light, so to speak, and we had two Fox newscasts, uh, national newscasts by Kelly Wright, who does a show called, I think, uh, Beyond the Dream. And he came and did a segment on our Midtown Center for Boys and interviewed one of our, our young men. And then we also did some radio 
and had that. Another thing that's happened recently is the Capital Research Center in Washington, D.C., did a, uh, an article on us. It's the Midtown Educational Foundation Changing Lives in Chicago. And that was a nice piece that uh, was just published. So over time, we're beginning to, we don't try and stand out in any way, but we're trying to get away from that. I'm certain that you get people contacting you and asking how they can get involved. And so if a person is listening and they, they're excited by kind of what they're hearing and the potential of, of what they're hearing, what would be some steps? Like what are, what are the, the specific volunteer activities that you would be able to utilize people for? And, and how, what, what's the range of volunteer activities or, or engagement and involvement with Midtown Educational Foundation that people could get involved with? In answer to that question, first of all, you can go to our website, uh, www.midtown-metro.org, and you'll see all of that. But if you'd like to tutor uh, either a fourth, fifth, or sixth grade a young man or young young girl, uh, we'd love to have you. And now is a, a great time to do it. I don't know when this particular uh, uh, broadcast will air, but in the next... Uh, Four weeks or so, as we begin at the end of September, our one-on-one tutoring program, the Walgreens one-on-one tutoring program, we need 120 tutors at Midtown and 120 tutors at Metro. So if that would interest anyone, we'd love to have you come and have an interview and be part of it. Uh, in terms of advisors, a lot of the advisors come out of the tutors. Once they've you know tutored for a few years and understand our mission really well, then they might advise the 7th and 8th graders or the high school students. But that uh, we would... I always say that's as important to us as any dollar donation we receive, getting someone who who really works with the the children well. And what sort of reach do you have in the Chicago area? And for um, we have listeners all over the country, and so, you know, Chicago is is a huge area of seven counties and nearly 12 million people if you take the entire entire wider metro area that we sometimes refer to as Chicagoland. So what is the footprint of the Midtown Educational Foundation within that, that wide space? I'm trying to understand what you're saying there. Are are you just in in certain pockets in the city of Chicago, yeah. and and where where are those where are those locations? Okay, we have our Midtown Center for Boys, which is located in in Bucktown uh, on Wood Street, uh, uh, 1819 North Wood Street. It's part of the St. Mary of the Angels Church complex. Uh, so we we're, we've been in there for twenty twenty four years now. Uh, and so that's right in Bucktown. It's a safe area. It's right up the highway. The L's nearby. We try and get a, a location that makes it easy for the parents to, to get there with their children. And our girls' center, we own a building in Greektown, uh, 310 South Peoria, and we own that building, and we have our girls' center there, and it's really well set up properly, the way we want it to be set up in a, in a perfect manner. And that's right outside the downtown area, so it's very easy to get to. Uh, when we serve about 1,123 students the last two years, that's maxing out our our capacity. Um, so those are the areas, and, and uh, we'd love to have you come and help us. And in terms of, of the, you mentioned that people can volunteer and that people also send you money, but you've also mentioned a couple of times Walgreens. Are there are there organizations that you partner with? Are there are there and uh, people that are, uh, or, or corporations or other organizations and foundations that are supporting you? Many, many. We don't uh, receive, nor do we want to receive any government funding, um, federal, state.
state or local funding because, you know, especially in the city of Chicago, you know how difficult that situation is right now. But we've always had it that way. Uh, so we go out every year and we raise uh, from corporations, foundations, individuals, through our events, uh, through a lot of hard work, about $2.5 million a year. And then we also, through our other sources, whether the students, the students pay if they can, $250 for the school year or $250 for the summer. Obviously, many of them can't do that, but we want them to pay something for commitment value. In following up on that, we have all kinds of uh, foundation and corporate supporters for many, many, many years. I'm not going to mention all of them. The reason I mention Walgreens is that Walgreens has supported us for over 25 years, and for much of that time, they were very quiet, like the light under the bucket, but always supporting us, always being our major funder in what we do. So that's why I mentioned them so clearly. But uh, and then many generous individuals, many corporations. Um, so it's a lot of hard work, but uh, once they find out what we're doing, when someone comes and sees what we're doing, they get it. You don't really have to ask for anything. They say, how can I help? If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt, and we're speaking today with Glenn Wilkie. He's the executive director of the Midtown Educational Foundation, an organization that guides low-income urban youth in Chicago along pathways of success. They have enrichment programs that embrace the dignity of the person by focusing on academic excellence, virtue development, individual attention, and parental engagement. Well, in our conversation so far, we've mentioned character, we've mentioned moral enrichment, and we've, we've mentioned the, the sort of values of volunteering and, and having a desire for relationship with these uh, children that are at risk of falling through the cracks. And so now I want to take a step back and ask about what it is that's animating that mission. Uh, is Midtown Educational Foundation a religious organization? Is it just an organization with incredibly high ethics and ideals? What, what's the animating spirit there? Um, we're not a religious organization, but we do have a Catholic background. The, um, uh, an organization called Opus Dei, which means the work of God, its founder, who was canonized by uh, St. John Paul II, canonized him before he passed away, uh, he was uh, said that wherever Opus Dei is, and Opus Dei teaches finding God in your ordinary life, wherever it might be, and whatever your career is, it's not a religious order, it's completely lay and secular, but to find God in the ordinary. So wherever Opus Dei is, which is all over the world, uh, now St. Jose Maria said that it should give back and uh, be inspired by the social teachings of the Catholic Church, you know, kind of like what Pope Francis has been talking about quite a bit lately, to go out to those in need and to really serve them and help them. So I would say he's the inspiration. Opus Dei does not run what we do, but they partner with us to uh, ensure that we're teaching good, you know, virtues. And, and if the parents want, we will teach more, you know, the Ten Commandments or whatever, but they have to opt into that. And I would say about 80% of the parents do. But we're, we never ask any student or family what their religious background is, nor do we care. We just want them to fulfill the requirement of low income, academically average, but not average at all. I keep saying that because these, we have doctors and we have nurses and we have people running companies. We had someone who was one of the first 100 employees at Facebook who came through our program, only had a mother. His mother enrolled him here. African-American, and he was one of the first 100 employees at Facebook. Now he's teaching in the city of Chicago. So they're not average at all. 
they just need that that extra help. Well, a moment ago you mentioned uh, that part of what was an animating background to this was the social teachings of the Catholic Church. And I have a wide variety of listeners to this program. Some of them will be familiar with what that means, and some of them may not know when we say the social teachings of the Church precisely what we're talking about. So when when you use that term, the social teachings of the Catholic Church, what's the content of that for you? Well, I would say that if you looked at came into one of our centers, you'd see... It's not our mission or vision per se, but it explains this AVIP, Academics, Virtues, Individual Attention, and Parents. And at the very end of that uh, is said that uh, everyone is deserving, no matter who that person may be and what their faith may be, everyone is deserving of respect and um, uh, the help they need to um, proceed forward in their lives and make an impact in the world. So just the virtue of them being uh, conceived and born and, and, and children of God, in a sense, they deserve every uh, opportunity to succeed, and that's what we give them. And I think that's what the social teaching is, and I think this new Pope, Pope Francis, he's not that new now, but four years into the pontificate, he talks about that all the time, all the time, you know, serving those in need, uh, and that's what we do. Oftentimes in our culture, unfortunately, we, we think about those in need as, as being in sort of a shameful position. And, and what I'm hearing and what you're saying is that you are not approaching this, this very clear need as one that involves any kind of shame. But instead, there, it, it almost sounds, if I'm hearing you correctly, like there's a dignity built into, into this entire process for the participants. In, in we, you're inviting them to bring their best selves and to learn how to be their better and best selves in a process that, that involves just a, a real warmth and giving and relationship. Am I hearing that correctly? That's exactly right. I couldn't have said it any better. Well, good. So when you are looking for people to be involved in this, how do you communicate to them that you are not just looking for, for bodies to show up, but you're looking for people to show up bringing their best selves and reaching for the best in that other person? Well, in terms of tutors and advisors and mentors, I've been in the corporate world for 20 years and now involved with this for 15. I see that there's, uh, how do I put it, for a lot of these young people out there working in jobs downtown or in the university or whatever, there's something missing. Uh, they're working very hard. They're, they're exceeding in school many times. They're, they're at their job, and they're moving forward. But they may not have the opportunity to give back uh, to someone in need. So when you give them that opportunity and they begin to come to one of our centers and help, they look forward to it all week long. I know I did. And they, they uh, say, this is the best two hours I spend during the week. I've heard it over and over again. And at the Midtown Center for Boys, I've heard uh, the, the men who are tutoring, uh, the young men or they could be older men, whatever they happen to be, but if they're younger men, they say, this is teaching me how to deal with a son or daughter when I uh, move forward in my life, get married, and how to get them to speak and talk and, and to engage. Uh, the young ladies at Metro who come, the same type of thing, they, they, they grow. It expands their horizon into the idea of giving back and, and caring for someone else. Um, so they get it. Once they begin to do it, it uh, becomes clear. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt, and we're speaking today with Glenn Wilkie. He's the executive director of the Midtown Educational Foundation. 
So have you, and my guess is probably the answer is yes, but I'd love to hear more about this. Have you had the the experience or, or has it happened that people who have gone through the Midtown Educational Foundation programs as participants have come back later and participated then as volunteer tutors? All uh, Tutors, yes, but especially working at our programs. During our summer program, this summer in particular, I believe at Metro and Midtown, probably more at Midtown because we have our sports program, but at Metro, I believe 15% of the staff in the summer were alumni or alumna at Midtown, I mean at Metro. So 15% of the staff at Metro were alumna. And then at Midtown, probably, I'm guessing now, between 30 and 35% of the staff in our summer program were uh, alumni of our program. So they want to give back. They want to give back uh, in a concrete way what they received. Uh, and then there's a number of tutors who do come back. I know there's one from Pepsi uh, who's over at Metro. I, I can't think of it, but there, I'm sure there's a number of others. When, when you talk to these people that have been through the program and then have come back to the program, what are some of the things that they say about the impact that this has had on them? Well, a little anecdote there would be, very quickly, about 10 years ago, I picked up the phone here in our uh, development offices, and I said, Glenn Wilkie, may I help you? And the person on the other line, I can, sure, I can use his name, he said, this is Ralph Alvarez, do you remember me? And I, I'm pretty quick off the draw, but I waited, and he goes, it's Ralph Alvarez, don't you remember me? I said, sure, I remember you. I remember the last time I saw you, you were a junior in high school, and uh, you were with me, I was getting a picture framed, and I wondered if anything we ever taught you got through. He broke into laughter, and he said it all did, but we couldn't let you know that. So, uh, and then the anecdote goes on that his mother had seen my picture in one of our newsletters, and his mother had one of our newsletters. Ralph saw my picture and said, oh, there's Glenn. I should get back in contact with him. It had been 18 years since I talked to him. And his mother said, remember what they taught you at Midtown, Ralph, to finish what you start? you should finish your college degree. He said, but Mom, I'm in the fire department now, Chicago Fire Department. I've got two daughters. I've got to save money for their college education. And she said, Ralph, remember, you should finish that for your daughters. So then I, he called me, got back in touch. Long story short, I agreed with the mother. Two years later, I get a, I'm talking to Ralph. He goes, I've got to go. I'm going to, to, uh, to uh, start class today. I said, class? He goes, yeah, Illinois Benedictine and Lyle or something has a program if you're a a policeman or a fireman, if you maintain a B average, you will, um, everything we paid for. He received 10 A's in a row, and at, at 40 years old, I was holding his daughter as he walked by with his cap and gown, and then they wanted him to go get a master's degree. So it's long-lasting success, and the kids never forget what they learned at Midtown and Metro. If you're just joining us, we're speaking today with Glenn Wilkie. He's the executive director of Midtown Educational Foundation. They're an organization that guides low-income urban youth in Chicago along pathways of success. They have enrichment programs that embrace the dignity of the person by focusing on academic excellence, virtue development, individual attention, and parental engagement. I'm David Dalt. This is Things Not Seen. We'll be back in a moment. Hello, Dave Dalt here. Earlier in the show, I talked about podcast monetization through advertising. But let's say that you, as a listener, don't have anything to sell right now, but you still want to support things not seen. We can make that happen. 
Here's how it works. You could go to our thingsnotseenradio.com website or csec.org and make a one-time donation. It would be tax deductible, and that would be wonderful. But you can also support us on an ongoing basis through a platform called Patreon. Now, here's how that works. You set the amount, $1, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever an episode of Things Not Seen is worth to you. And every time that we release a new episode, you would be charged on your credit card for that amount. You set it. You set how long you do it. It's completely up to you, but it really would help us. So please go to our website or go to patreon.com and set it up. And we thank you always for listening. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Each week on our program, we bring you a rich conversation about culture and faith. And today we're speaking with Glenn Wilkie. He's the executive director of the Midtown Educational Foundation, an organization that guides low-income urban youth in the Chicago area along pathways of success. They have proven enrichment programs that embrace the dignity of the person by focusing on academic excellence, virtue development, individual attention, and parental engagement. You've been talking a lot about the program, and I know that this has been a program that has been very important to you throughout your life, but I, I wonder if you'd be willing to speak a little bit about your own personal faith journey, and in particular, the, the integration of, of your faith into your work. It's a, it's a subject that really fascinates me. The, the notion that, that somehow we could integrate faith and, and work life together is an important part of what we're trying to talk about. So I, how does that fit together for you, and how have you navigated that both in your life uh, with Midtown Educational Foundation, but then also in your 20 years, in the 20 years prior when you were working in, in the corporate world in marketing? When I was a young man in high school, I happened a friend, a friend of mine, two friends of mine who I really respected, their families and their abilities and their knowledge, said, you know, you might want to come to this center where they have this talk by this priest. So I said, if Jim and Pat think this is good, I should check it out. So I did, and it was a center of Opus Dei. I didn't know what Opus Dei was and, and so on and so forth. But I began to learn, and I began to learn that St. Jose Maria, the founder of Opus Dei, taught and saw clearly that you don't have to be a priest, you don't have to be a religious, you don't have to leave the world. A majority of members of Opus Dei are married. You can uh, grow as a human being, and you can uh, find God's, God is asking for you in, in your ordinary day. So I, that rung true to me, you know, and I wasn't really, I didn't know much about my faith. I didn't, but then I began to learn how important it was, and that impacted me greatly. So I, during my corporate career, uh, they knew that I took my faith seriously, that I went to Mass almost every day. Uh, they knew that I tried to pray. I didn't make a big deal about any of that. And in that environment, I tried to impact it with uh, uh, my faith and my beliefs and my integrity, and I believe I did so. And then coming into, I didn't leave there to escape that. I left there because I said, okay, well, what is this nonprofit world about? So the director of then Midtown and Metro and I talked, and he said, why don't you come and work on individual donations? And I said, okay. So I did, and everyone thought I was having a midlife crisis, and I quit my job, and, um, and I went to this and, and uh, found out something new and began to integrate my faith right here. So I, I think that answers the question. It does, but what, what I'm hearing in what you're saying is that this was not an evangelical uh, approach that you took in your corporate life, like you weren't in the cubicle handing out tracts, but instead, if I'm hearing you correctly, this is very similar to what we talked about earlier in the conversation, 
everyone in your in your claim, everyone knew what your faith was, but it wasn't because you had been telling them about it and soapboxing about it, but instead they saw it by your example. Am I understanding that correctly? Exactly. I wasn't hiding what I did, but everyone over a period of time knew, but I, uh, I was doing my job and doing it for a proper intention, not for me, but to serve those I worked with and to serve the people that we made these these products for. It, uh, it wasn't about me. Now, when we look at the world, I mean, we see a lot of fractured brokenness. We see a lot of people who who go to work every day, and they're going to work, and you said it so well earlier in the conversation, without really having a sense of, of the greater purpose of why they work. And, and what I'm hearing you saying is, is that through your work with Opus Dei, through the way that you incorporated the teachings of the founder of Opus Dei into your work life, you found a greater purpose. Am I hearing that correctly? Exactly. I, I, I'm so glad that I did because so many people are, you know, running after power, prestige, money. None of those ultimately in the long term can make you truly happy. But, but if you give back and you do things for a higher reason, you know, to give glory to God, it uh, makes everything go smoother and when things, you have your ups and downs, you don't get so up when things are going extremely well. And when things turn the wrong direction, which they do in every person's career, you just say, okay, that's a challenge here, and we'll work through it. Yeah, it's made a big impact on me in terms of uh, seeing things properly and in the right lens and not, not just going after myself. No, but I have a I have a suspicion, and I may be wrong about this. That if we were to go to the the big business schools that are here at University of Chicago and Northwestern and others around the city, we would not hear what you just said being taught in the classes. Instead, we would be maximize profits, give back to your shareholders. You have a fiduciary responsibility to increase just for the sake of increase. I don't get the sense, and again, I could be wrong about this, that people who are going into business are being taught to think about ethics and, and to, to think about giving back. Am I wrong about that? Or, or are we teaching new business people to only think about themselves? I think it's changing, and I'm happy you asked that question. Northwestern, one of their professors who we're going to honor this year at our, uh, our Reach for Excellence dinner in October, Don Heider, Professor Heider, has been on our board many years. He's in charge of the board fellow program at Northwestern. It's for second-year MBA students where they go out and they make an impact for their second year at a not-for-profit. We've had, I think, seven, six or seven board fellows, and they spend their second year working with us. They're part of our board, our auxiliary board, our executive committee. They're a non-voting member. The idea there is for them to give back in a concrete way, and they get graded. It's a course that, that Professor Heider teaches and I think it's wonderful, and a lot of the students go to Northwestern because of that. I don't know as much about the University of Chicago, but they have some type of a similar program where the the MBA students get out into the community and work at a not-for-profit, I believe. I'm not certain of that, but I'm fairly certain. So things are changing, and uh, the board fellow program, a lot of the students who go to Northwestern for their MBA, they go because of that particular program. So I'm very happy to say that. They're, they're trying to... Um, to teach them to uh, give back early on. You you mentioned that there are people that have been involved with your board on a volunteer basis from these from the Northwestern Business School for a couple of years. As you've observed this process, 
do you have a sense of how that involvement has changed them as they've been going into the the second half of their of their business training in business school and then as they've been emerging into the actual business world how has their involvement with an organization like Midtown Educational Foundation shaped them or reshaped them I don't know if I have an answer to that but what I do know is that one of these board fellows did a competitive analysis analysis for us in terms of where we stand in different not-for-profits that are similar to us and put in a, an extraordinary amount of work to do that. I know another one helped us with our metrics, uh, which are very strong. And I should mention that real quickly just so you, so you know, because the listeners may want to know that it's not just, you know, character and parenting and all that. But that's critical things that we do. But for the last 17 years, every single student who uh, stayed with us all the way through high school, graduated from high school, and was accepted to college for the last 17 years. And in a study we did, 91% are, have graduated or are still in, in college. So there's a great impact there. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt, and we're speaking today with Glenn Wilkie. He's the executive director of Midtown Educational Foundation, an organization that guides low-income urban youth in the Chicago area along pathways of success. They have enrichment programs that embrace the dignity of the person by focusing on academic excellence, virtue development, individual attention, and parental engagement. I'm wondering, as you look ahead to the future, what is next? What What is... What is the area of growth or success that you are that you are wanting the organization as it as it moves past its fiftieth year to uh, to reach for and to achieve? Well, everyone says, why don't you expand to other centers in the city of Chicago? And I always say, I wish that I could. There was no need for us and for the other outstanding not for profits in the city. Uh, I wish I, I could go out and get a corporate career, a corporate job. I could do something else. But there's a tremendous need. So we'd like to expand the number of students that we we can uh, serve. And in this regard, we own the building where our Metro Achievement Center for Girls is, but we rent from the St. Mary the Angels Parish. So we're actively looking uh, to find a, a site that has a gym and that has the proper space and requirements as we, we map them out for our Midtown Center for Boys. And just this morning, we were looking at a, a school that's, that's shutting down, uh, one of the Catholic schools we happen to hear about, and we looked at that, and one of our board members said, well, you know, if we went here, we could probably serve, instead of during a typical year, 520 boys, maybe we could serve a 1,000. So the more that we can help, the more that we can impact and set along that pathway to success, the better. Um, another thing that all not-for-profits have to struggle with is the idea of uh, funding, and so we're looking at an endowment to, to, to build our endowment and to get this new center for the boys um, and to serve more, more, more children. We don't, uh, we don't want to, the, there's a magic to what we do, and the magic is this. We don't want to have too many stu- more students than we can serve one-on-one because we want to impact each one, know their name, know their family, work with them. So in order to expand, we also would have to find more staff that really understands the mission very well, staff and um, mentors. And so uh, you mentioned that there are events coming up uh, in October and and others. I, if you could just quickly let our listeners know kind of what is on the horizon in terms of, of kind of into the fall 
what will be happening and how they might uh, notice you and get involved? Uh, well, we have our dinner. It's our, our Reach for Excellence dinner. We've had this. This will be our 25th year. It's going to be on Tuesday, October 11th at the Four Seasons. And we always do something special at our dinner. We get our students involved, and we have a skit uh, where they're uh, talking about our, our honorees in some way, but also the, the uh, things they've learned and put into effect at uh, both of our centers. So it's very interesting. We started at 530. It ends at 830 sharp because uh, people want to get home, and I understand that fully. Uh, but a lot goes on during those three hours, three and a half hours. and So that's coming up. Uh, and then I would look to our website. The, right now we have a comedy show with our auxiliary board will take place on Monday, September 11th, uh, uh, September 12th, so, September 12th. We also have coming up our uh, Christmas party for our auxiliary board, and that will happen uh, in early January, and that's also on the website. I don't have the exact date in front of me. There's something else. We have a breakfast with champions. We do that twice a year. Uh, through our Midtown Center for Boys, and we're going to have that with a professor at University of Chicago, Candice Volger, I believe her name is, and uh, she's going to talk about how to instill character, or the need for character and virtue in a world run amok, and, <laughs> and the importance of that. So that's coming up. I don't know the exact date, but this is all on our website. Well, and as you, as you have been working in this for many years, you have seen the Chicago school systems at their, at their best, at their worst. I'm, su- I'm sure you have. And I know that, that you have a, a prayerful heart, and I wonder, as you look out at the city today, what, what are matters and items that are really kind of preoccupying your prayer life? What do you look and say, I, I'm, I'm asking for divine intercession for these matters, particularly for our young people who are in the educational system in Chicago? Well, that they can be safe, first of all, uh, with what's going on out there, and that the, um, the government, uh, the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, can figure out how to, to uh, fund the public schools and to, to fund the pensions and uh, things that are out there that are in question, because these students, it's all about the students. It's not about the politicians or whatever it might be. We have to give them what they need, and we have to do it. I, I, I live with a public school teacher, one of the guys I live with, uh, and he, he said he works at a, one of the high schools in the city of Chicago, and he works extremely hard, and uh, their school had a huge funding cut two, three years ago. I met the principal there, and I said, you know, and this school's doing wonderful work, uh, and they're highly dedicated and I know that just this week, I think I read in the Tribune or Crane Chicago Business that I think it was the Tribune that now there's a 74% graduation rate from high school. It may not sound great, you know, but it's a vast improvement in what's going on, and we want to keep that going forward. So I hope and pray that, that we can get this taken care of and, and uh, help these young men and women move forward. Now, in just talking to you for this past hour, it doesn't strike me that you are a person who who allows frustration to get you down. But do you do you ever get frustrated in this work, and what frustrates you? Well, one one time my mother said, "You fall in love and you get married because if you had any idea what you were doing, you'd never do it." The same thing can be said here. Uh, everyone assumes that working for a not for profit, nah, and I shouldn't say that people who know the business, but that it's, you know, you're really helping people and it's, you know, it's very easy to do and blah, blah, blah. 
Well, I had no idea what I was getting into when I took the job originally and shortly before uh, September 11, 2001. I started in July. And if I knew then what I'd have to go through to turn this around, I don't know if I could have done it, but, you know, God never lets you know what you're going to be up against. Uh, I, I don't get down. I try and live as one of our key donors. Uh, as always said, live by your optimism or live with your optimism. I try and do that, but it, it's a lot of hard work. But it's And some people say to me, you're doing what we'd like to do, one of my corporate friends. You got out and you're doing this. But that's not the reason I left the corporate world. I felt this is another challenge, another way to, to serve and give back. And uh, I try and stay positive, but it's hard work. Well, and so what? What keeps you hopeful? What? What? Uh, what keeps you? What keeps you up and going? If there's anyone out there and listening to this program, I urge you to to contact me or to go see one of our centers. Because when you go there and you see what's going on, uh, it it, it uh, encourages you and uh, fires you up to to say, look at the impact we're having. Look at the great impact we're having. Uh, there was the former special team to coach of the Bears a number of years ago, and he and his wife came to our Midtown Center for Boys. Then they came to our Metro Achievement Center for Girls. And four of our summer advisors who come from colleges around the country were in their teal polo, polo shirts, and they turned around, and they're all kind of like smiling. And uh, the coach's wife said, does anyone ever have a bad day around these centers? And, uh, and I looked and smiled and said, no, we don't. You know, we're, 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 we're helping, and we're here to help. Well, Glenn Wilkie, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us, and thank you for the work that you're doing on behalf of the young people here in the city of Chicago. And just thanks for being here today. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate the uh, invitation. We've been speaking today with Glenn Wilkie. He is the executive director of Midtown Educational Foundation. They're an organization here in Chicago that guides low-income urban youth along pathways of success. They have proven enrichment programs that embrace the dignity of the person by focusing on academic academic excellence, virtue development, individual attention, and parental engagement. Things Not Seen is produced by Sandberg Media, LLC, with the support of the Chicago Sunday Evening Club. We're distributed nationally by PRX, the public radio exchange. Today's show was recorded at the studios of the Chicago Sunday Evening Club here in the Chicago Loop. Our theme music is composed by Gene Keija. David Dalt engineered the show. Kim Tron and David Dalt did the editing. Our staff includes Travis Abels, David J. Dunn, Natasha Alford, and Alexander Badenoch. Katie Scroggin is our senior producer. You can follow us on Twitter at Not Seen Radio. Visit us on Facebook and like our page to receive regular updates about the show and find out more about upcoming guests. That's Facebook.com slash Things Not Seen Radio. And you can sign up for the free podcast, listen to old shows, send us an email, and learn more about our guests if you visit us on the web at ThingsNotSeenRadio.com. Thank you as well to all of our Patreon supporters. You helped to make this show possible. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, visit us at patreon.com slash notseenradio. I'm David Dalt, and we'll be back next week with more conversations about culture and faith. Please join us.